Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Please welcome to the show the National President of the American Nurses Association, Dr. Ernest Grant. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm very honored uh, to speak with you. These are some very challenging uh, times, uh, Dr. Grant. So to be in this position of leadership, I can only imagine has been a role that's kept you very busy. It has, it has. And it also called my, calls my hair to get a little grayer too. <laughs> that's wisdom. I've heard that gray hair is wisdom. So Dr. Grant, I, I know who you are. I've been a longtime member of the American Nurses Association. For those of our audience who maybe are meeting you for the first time, can you tell us a little bit about your why you became a nurse and, and your journey to doing so? Certainly. Um, just, um, well, originally I wanted to be a, uh, a doctor. I wanted to be an anesthesiologist, actually. And my high school guidance counselor, because I grew up in a uh, very, very poor, I'm the youngest of seven kids, um, you know, my high school guidance counselor said, well, you may be able to have uh, some scholarships to get you through undergrad school, but, uh, you know, there's the need to go on the med school. So he suggested, well, why don't you try uh, going into nursing? perhaps becoming a nurse anesthetist and then work your way through uh, medical school that way. And so we tried nursing and I think I was about six months into my first nursing program and totally forgot all about med school. I uh, realized that nursing was my calling and, uh, you know, here I am, uh, what, 40 some years later. (laughs) I I still uh, think it's the the best job that I've ever had. I feel the exact same way about nursing. I can't imagine myself doing anything different. Although I will say nursing has evolved and it seems like there are several mm-hmm. career pathways that yeah. nurses can go because we're nurses are natural born leaders. Yeah. But Dr. Grant, I, I want to kind of hone in on some things I alluded to earlier that America is under siege. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things going on in the world today, but I'll begin with the pandemic, this mm-hmm. world pandemic. I know that, uh, and myself included, that nurses, some of us felt left out in some of the um, planning or execution of a plan of care for our nation once it was determined we are in a pandemic. I know we, you know, we rush to the bedside, we, we do what we do best, we provide care, but, you know, outside of that, developing structures and processes and plans so we can get to the outcomes that we wanted. Many of us, myself and my colleagues, felt left out. Just curious, during this pandemic, as president of the ANA, uh, did the CDC, the National Institute of Health, the president, did they reach out to the American Nurses Association? And if they did so, did they do so soon? And what has been our involvement as the American Nurses Association? Well, thank you for that, uh, that question. And and yes, uh, we have been actively involved since, uh, uh, well, early March. Uh, with um, uh, the current administration and the incoming administration as this is continuing on into 2021. 
but they have sought our advice on a number of, of things. We have advocated, like the video showed, um, you know, for the uh, for PPE nurses being able to uh, to get that. Uh, we've done tons of surveys to again report back to government officials that. Uh, you know, like in some cases, the, um, you know, the distribution channel is not working correctly, or our nurses who are on the front lines are telling us this, this, and this, even though you may have um, some other, um, you know, pieces of information, we're telling you exactly what the end user, those people who are on the front line, what they are telling us. And so it's a great working relationship, and uh, we're looking forward to continuing that relationship with the incoming administration as well, because they recognize the vital role that nurses do play in, uh, you know, helping to, you know, overcome this crisis that we are currently in. I'm glad to hear that there's been some collaboration. They've reached out to us because nurses, I mean, we're we're only the largest segment of the healthcare <laughs> workforce. So it's very wise and a symbiotic relationship to work with our outgoing and incoming uh, government. Now, what advice would you have for nurses who, you know, they've listened to what you've just shared, they've watched the video, and they want to take on a more active role in helping our nation recover from this pandemic? I mean, we're great at the bedside, but, you know, there are other things that we can do. And sometimes we don't know what those things are. Any advice for nurses who are wanting to perhaps follow in your footsteps in our in our national organization or be of assistance to their local or state government when it comes to um, providing solutions for the pandemic and the vaccine rollout? Well, there's there's lots of things that uh, that nurses can do. Um, you know, we've been very influential in uh, you know pushing policy, uh, be that on Capitol Hill in D.C. or at their uh, you know their local or state. Uh, government uh, agencies as well. Uh, but nurses, uh, I, I feel strongly should consider running for office either at the local or state level or even at the national level. I think currently right now in Congress, uh, there are four nurses that are in the House of Representatives. Uh, there's none in the, the U.S. Senate, but there's always a, a first chance. Uh, and the way this starts out is perhaps joining their professional organization um, you know, or joining a, a board um, you know, we have the initiative um, Nurses on Board campaign, which is to get 10,000 nurses on various boards by uh, the end of last year. And, and that worked very well, and it is still going forward. Um, and some nurses may think, well, I, I don't know that much about politics or things of this sort, but you're doing it anyway. You know, when you come into your community, I'm sure your neighbors come up to you. They ask you your advice on this or that, uh, probably with the PTA or something like this, or even just something as simple, you know, like I do for, for my church, I serve on our, my church's COVID task force. So frequently my pastor uh, has tapped myself and three other nurses within the congregation to, you know, sort of serve as his expert uh, for him. So, uh, you know, because we do a, a large outreach to uh, the, the homeless population and also serve as a shelter for them sometimes. So, you know, he needs that piece of advice. So even, you know, that's a great start for someone to, uh, you know, do that, or maybe serve as a healthcare expert for someone who's running for office. Uh, you know, because as nurses, if we don't know that much about something, we certainly know somebody who knows somebody that knows something about that. So it's a great way to offer your services for a politician just to serve as their, their healthcare expert as well. Thank you for that information, because I know that, and again, keeping current with just what's happening now, there's seems to be a lot 
of frustration and confusion and chaos around COVID vaccine rollout mm -hmm. in all of the states. And mm -hmm. so I know I am based here in Los Angeles, but I've been a member for uh, with ANA for quite some time. And I actually mm -hmm. attended the Advocacy Institute. I went to Washington mm -hmm. DC. I'm a little, I'm familiar with kind yeah. of somewhat of the process. And so I've volunteered myself and my time and my expertise as much as they, they'll call upon me. But I just would like your opinion. What do you believe been some of the major issues causing the rollout of the COVID vaccine to be so slow? Because in nursing, we say time is tissue. So mm -hmm. we want to move very quickly. We have, seem to have a lot of vaccines still in the sh shelves or refrigerator um, and not into people's arms. So what do you think has bottlenecked the process and what role do you think nurses can play in helping to resolve that? Well, there's a, a lot of things that's probably contributed to why we're seeing such a, a, a bottleneck. Um, you know, the distribution plans, whether or not a community or a state is ready, uh, you know, for that. And it also perhaps will depend on what type of vaccine they're getting. If they're getting the Pfizer vaccine, which, as you know, requires a very special type of, uh, of freezing. But I, I think there's, there's three areas, uh, perhaps, where nurses can play a very critical role with that. Uh, the first one is that there should be a solid plan, um, you know, in place that includes a defined and visible role for nurses to play, you know, as, as far as what uh, what may be happening. I think second is that nurses need to be at the table, uh, you know, helping to make those uh, decisions and also role model, um, you know, the behavior that we expect, um, you know, the citizenry of the United States to, um, you know, to, to uh, emulate as well. And that means nurses, you know, getting the vaccines and, you know, being able to answer the questions and such that, uh, you know, the, the public may have. And then lastly, I, I think it's important, too, that nurses be called upon to help investigate as to why there is this slow response or, or slowdown uh, within the distribution chain. You know, um, one of the things as nurses, we're great problem solvers. Uh, you know, because we, you know, we're faced with that multiple times a day. So this is a great way for, you know, for nurses to get involved and say, what is going along or wrong with the distribution plan? And that's why it's important that they be at the table where some of these decisions are being made, because they can tell you, you know, what community access or, or resources you may have or may not have. And so perhaps having a clinic in a certain area may not be a good thing at this time until you have all the resources available to, to do what needs to be done. I completely agree with you. Again, I've, I've volunteered here in California. When I first started, I was listening to some of the conversations. And just as a nurse, I think a little bit differently. Yeah. Than, you know, so I was able to complement some of the conversation. And I think, you know, as nurses, we're, as you mentioned, we're great problem solvers. We mm -hmm. see issues. But I think this is really a time where the nation can really rely on nurses to help problem solve those. So we're identifying problems, but let's help problem solve. Yeah. Now, Another problem is that there seems to be still some mistrust in the vaccine itself. Some with even healthcare professionals, I believe I've seen statistics anywhere from 20 to 30% of healthcare professionals are declining the vaccine. And as well, some of the general public, primarily in our communities of color. I understand that you participated in a COVID vaccine study. Can you tell us more about that and help give us some solutions or some ideas of how we can help overcome some of the hesitancy with rec people receiving the vaccine? Certainly. Um, I participated in the uh, Moderna uh, vaccine trial, 
And I did it for two reasons. One was that I knew that there was uh, a large need for more uh, uh, blacks and and uh, and people of color to participate in the uh, you know this trial. So I wanted to be able to to do that to lend uh, you know that little bit of information there. The other, uh, being the leader of the nation's 4.3 million registered nurses, I also did it so that once the vaccines were approved. Um, you know, that nurses who may have some hesitancy would look around and say, well, hey, our, you know, our leader participated in the clinical trial and, you know, nothing happened to me. I mean, I, I had the expected side effects, which was for me, it was chills and a little bit of fatigue. But, um, you know, but to be that role model, again, going back to nurses role modeling the behavior that we want uh, citizens to see, uh, you know, I, I did it for that. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm perfectly willing to answer any questions or whatever that someone may have. And I think that's one of the things that's important for nurses to do as well. Uh, for someone who may be hesitant, find out everything you can about, you know, the, the vaccines um, and uh, find it from a trusted source. Um, you know, ask someone such as myself, somebody who's participated or someone who, um, you know, like the, the, the CDC, so that any anxiety that someone may have you know, they are relieved and uh, they're able to uh, feel a little bit more comfortable about that. I do think also that it's important to acknowledge, you know, the, um, you know, the, the person's hesitancy. Uh, you know, they will point back to like the Tuskegee experiment or some of the other things that have happened to uh, black and brown people, you know, uh, previously. Uh, we have to acknowledge that and move forward. You know, that's happened in the past. We're not going to be able to change the past. But I also like to stress that it's important that they think about what happened uh, as a result of that. Now we have in place the fact that uh, you can't just willy-nilly do, you know, experimentation on, on anybody. There has to be the informed consent. There has to be the review board, uh, you know, uh, for medications. It's got to go through the FDA for approval and things like that. So, uh, so uh, I look at that as one of the good things that has come out as a result of, uh, you know, like the Tuskegee experiment. And every day, people, you know, who are taking medications, the medications that they're taking had to go through the same process that these vaccines did. They had to go through a clinical trial. People had to, you know, uh, to take them and write down what they saw or felt was happening to them. And we made notation of that. So these vaccines. Uh, you know, uh, were not expedited in any way other than, you know, uh, than any other medication would have been. So uh, I think letting the public know that also helps to reduce the anxiety that they may have. Yes, I, I can't agree with you more. And I, I think it's because the, while they were doing the studies, they were collecting their data. It wasn't necessarily for public consumption yet. So we couldn't learn and hear what was going on in real time. Uh, it wasn't until, you know, to the, the end of that study. And so I think, and actually it's still ongoing. They're still yeah. collecting data. But I think that's probably contributes to why people feel like, oh my gosh, this happened yeah. so quickly. Yeah. It's actually been going on in the background. Yes. And if, if I may add to, you know, this type of vaccine, the mRNA vaccine, you know, because when people think of vaccine, the first thing that pops in our mind is a live virus or an attenuated virus. And this vaccine does not have that. So there's no way that someone could contract COVID from these, uh, the two vaccines that are on the market right now that, that, that we are using. Uh, you know, and the, the type of the mRNA vaccines have been around for quite some time. 
But again, no one's really paid that much attention to it because they haven't been used on such a great scale as they are right now. But uh, they are totally safe. And, you know, I have encouraged all of my family that when it's time for them to get theirs, uh, you know, based on their age group or whatever else, um, you know, they should do it. And, and of course, they are, are planning to do that. Very good. Uh, Dr. Grant, I know uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier, shifting just out slightly a little bit from mm-hmm. COVID-19. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you really can, but, you know, there have been recent events mm-hmm. at our national capital other examples of social injustice, systemic racism, and COVID itself has magnified the health disparities that are prevalent here in the United States. What role has the, or stance or statement, has the American Nurses Association had on those type of events? And the part two of that is, what are we, American Nurses Association, doing to help improve the diversity in our workforce. Okay, well, let me answer the first part of that uh, that question uh, first, and that is we talked about the code of ethics uh, for uh, for nursing. So I want to be absolutely clear to say that racism in the nursing profession and in our society does not align with the code of ethics uh, with interpretive statements that the uh, you know the, the ANA purports. Um, you know, we uh, we function on a uh, a stance of treating everyone as as equal, respecting their rights, their culture, you know, we're, we're just trying to be all in, in, embraceive. Now, as far as uh, to address the, the diversity component, uh, that was the number one goal of when I assumed the presidency two years ago, uh, I knew that one of the things I would have to do is to increase the diversity of uh, nursing so that it is reflective of the people that we care for, because I'm a strong believer that nursing should be, you know, should be that way. Should reflect the, uh, you know, the people that we uh, we care for, and and we are doing that. ANA is, um, um, we're, we're going around. We're asking uh, schools of nursing to increase their minority enrollments. Um, you know, we are uh, encouraging uh, under, um, you know, well, minority populations to consider a nursing career, and also trying to figure out those stumbling blocks that prevent them from doing that. A lot of time, it is funding. Uh, but you know, trying to find uh, scholarships and things like that that would uh, would help them, and also you know, starting at the, you know like the third and fourth grade, you got to be able to start with those kids that are young, uh, you know, to let them see you know uh, people who look like them who are in these positions, and perhaps they can say, well, if they can do it, I can do it as well, because as we know, um, it, it you know, seeing diversity it helps to foster confidence for you know for someone uh, also. And um, uh, you know, while we're talking about this, I'd like to say that actually, um, ANA is um, I'm convening a commission, a national commission that actually will be meeting right after this. Uh, uh, I finish with you uh, is a commission to address racism in nursing, and we have invited all um, the minority nursing organizations to come in and let's talk about this. And uh, you know, this is going to be priority one. And hopefully what we plan to do is put this into part of a scope and standards uh, of practice so that it can be adopted in the educational component, the uh, the practice level, the clinical level, the research level, and the administrative level. So, uh, you know, it's hitting all the areas in which uh, all of our regular scope and standards, uh, you know, uh, addresses as well. And we realize this is an uphill battle, but, um, you know, we've got... 
uh, a great buy-in from a number of major nursing organizations that, uh, you know, nothing like this has ever been done before in nursing. So I'm very proud that we're making this uh, initiative. Well, it sounds very exciting. And I, I will say this, we here at nurse.org uh, would like to be a part of that to help extend the message out because it takes a village. Yeah, uh, all of our professional nursing organizations and all of the other popular media, popular nursing media, including social media. But we definitely would be uh, honored to be a part of that to help disseminate any information that comes from from that work group. Again, uh, Dr. Grant, I mean, there's so many things going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. I really salute you because I don't know that there's ever been a, an ANA president who's pro- who's had a, a tenure with so many extenuating circumstances. You've definitely risen to uh, the challenge. We appreciate you. And before I, before we let you go, because I can hear your messages going off for your next meeting. Any closing words to nurses who maybe aren't yet a member of the American Nurses Association? Mm-hmm. My uh, my closing words would be to uh, to, to have them uh, consider joining your professional organization because if you don't do it, you know, then we're losing our voice. And someone with a degree far from nursing uh, is going to be making uh, decisions about how our profession should be practiced. And a profession should be uh, ruled and dictated by the members who make up that profession, not someone else telling us you know, what we can and can't do. So it's extremely important that you recognize the value of having your voice heard and joining your professional nursing association. So uh, thank you for that opportunity to, uh, to, to put that plug in. Yes, of course. I was going to put the plug in. And guys, for those of you who are watching, I have been a member for the American Nurses Association for quite some time. I was involved on my board. I was actually secretary on the board of directors. And now I found it very fulfilling. And as Dr. Grant, as you were saying, you know, we are the authority figures when it comes to nursing nursing profession and providing that bedside care, which has now extended beyond the bedside. And now here in Los Angeles, we'll be at Dodger Stadium. We'll be at Disneyland as we're giving vaccines. And I, I do believe nurses are our leaders. And I want to thank you for your time and your leadership for our national organization. And I want to thank the American Nurses Association for setting this up. And guys, if you're not already a member of the American Nurses Association, truly consider it. It's, it's going to be very valuable to your profession, for, to your professional development, as well as personal development. Because, you know, we are all sisters and brothers in this world of, you know, even nursing and beyond nursing. So mm-hmm. let's to know one another. Let's work together and let's get to ending this world pandemic. Uh, okay. So, Dr. thank you so much for your time. Thank we you. appreciate you. Good luck. And again, we here at nurse.org would love to support the ANA in disseminating any of the information that is needed to get out to our fellow nursing colleagues. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.